You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. So one of my least favorite things to do, I'm about to do it right now. Not preaching, not what I'm talking about. It's talking about preaching when you're supposed to be preaching, okay? So here's the deal. Um, All week, I'd been laboring over three different sermons, and I couldn't decide which sermon I wanted to use today, okay? Uh, And I'm still not sure, but I'm going with one. Does that sound good? Because it's happening. And uh, one of those was our our normal lectionary passage for today, coming from John chapter 8. It's good. Um, The other one was maybe a longer letter of that I wanted to give to everyone today. Um, but I might save that for another day. And instead, uh, today, I was trying to think through all of the last, I don't know, maybe month and a half of big ideas. Uh, because they've all been very similar in some distinct ways. And so I was trying to think of a way of pulling those things together. Now, you might not notice it, but every week, what I work to do while I'm preaching is is do actually two things. First, I want to preach to you the law, okay? I want to... (laughs) That's wrong. That's called dyslexia. That's called dyslexia. You can thank me later, okay? (laughs) Um, It's the end of 2 Corinthians, in case anyone was wondering. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, I always try to do two things. I try to preach the law, that is, what it is that you ought to do, or what it is that you ought not to do, what is expected of you to do or not do, and then eventually get to the place where you understand that if you're doing some of it, great, but you're never going to make it there, and you know what, Christ has done it for you. To then hand over the goods to you, as it were, the gospel so that you can see that everything that is required of you is also gifted to you in Jesus. That's what I work to do each and every week. And as I do that, these big ideas that might sometimes seem like, well, did Wade just make that up out of thin air? No, I really didn't. I'm studying that text to pull those big ideas out of it. And so today... What I wanted to do, all the time, not all the time, most of the time at the end of a service, I will read from 2 Corinthians. Man, you know, my brain, my brain is on a whole different level today. That is just true. You know what I did do correct? I got that, I got it correct at the bottom of this one, okay? I got it correct at the bottom of this one. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure, I'll get some more of those special pills that I need. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, there's the correct one. I often read this verse at the end of a service. It's what we call a benediction, a good word, okay, a good spoken word. And the reason why throughout church history benedictions have been given is not just because they're in Paul's letters or elsewhere, not because it was just the custom of, of the first century to give a good word to someone at the end of a letter. Um, but because at the end of each service, I also need you to know that you're walking out not on your own strength, but you're actually walking out with a word. All right? 
with a word, not on your own strength, not with your own words, but with a special word that's been given to you to share with others and to give you the hope and encouragement that you need to not only share good news with each other, uh, but also to make it through the week. All right? And so 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, uh, is one of these benedictions that we read about in the text of Scripture. But before we get there, because that's one verse, how am I going to preach for 50 minutes on one verse? Well, just I'll show you. No, it's not going to be that long. Uh, before we get there, I want to walk through some of our big ideas from the last uh, month and a half, thereabouts. Um, really from Easter Sunday forward. Because I, I want us to see a common thread that the, that's been popping up in our texts. So bear with me for just a minute here. In His resurrection, Jesus determines your identity and your future. In His resurrection, Jesus determines your identity and your future. Because Jesus is victorious over death, we can believe, trust, and find life in Him. Jesus forgives, restores, and sets us free. Jesus is our rescuer, our shepherd, and our king. Though trouble surrounds you, Jesus has overcome, and so will you through him. In Jesus, a completed, brought-togetherness is yours. The Holy Spirit gifts and applies, or puts on, the Holy Spirit gifts and applies each good thing Jesus has won and accomplished for you. He has made all things new, and He is turning your sorrow to joy. And last one. The Holy Spirit is sent to reveal the truth of Jesus, give you the comfort of His peace, and bring you together with God's people. The Holy Spirit is sent to reveal the truth of Jesus, give you the comfort of His peace, and bring you together with God's people. So, over the last month and a half, every text of Scripture uh, that we've been reading is, is kind of summarized in each of those big ideas. And here's at least one of the threads that I was pulling out of each of these big ideas and going back through the last month and a half of sermons, uh, is that each and every week, uh, we have a clear presentation from the Word of God of Jesus doing something for you. Jesus gifting something to you. Each and every week, and maybe it gets monotonous, but it's true, so that's why we do it. It's something for you in Jesus. Why do we need to do that? Why is it so important? Well, one of the reasons why it's so important to continually emphasize that Jesus has done something for you, and then 
to name that specific thing that he has done for you is, and this was a point that I made a couple of weeks ago, and this is where we're going to camp out for just a little bit. That is that nothing that Jesus does for you is abstract. Okay? If you don't know what that word abstract means, neither do I. Let's break it down. All right? Abstract means uh, maybe real, but maybe not real. Abstract means I can kind of put together this thing in my head, but it's not really a completed picture. Uh, Derek, do you have a definition for abstract art? (laughs) Craziness. No. Uh, uh, You know, some sort of disorder that is turning into order, but it's not really a real thing, right? If you were to see a horse and then an abstracted horse, it's not going to look like a horse to you. You're not going to see a horse running around like that. If you do, we need to take you to a doctor, but I want you to know that you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Um, No thing that is gifted to you in Christ is abstract. Each and every week when we, when we go through what it is that Jesus has done and is doing for you and promises who he promises to be for you, um, these are real, true things. Real, true things that are happening in you and around you, whether you see it or not all the time and whether you know it or not. A couple weeks ago in the sermon, uh, when we were talking about, we were specifically talking about love. And um, oftentimes we can think about love as, uh, you know, maybe you, husbands and wives, I'm sure that you get into a rut like this, or maybe you hear other people say this to one another, where it is, yeah, I love you, love you too. And it's an abstract idea. Right? Maybe you're not actually having time to spend with one another, or there's uh, some sort of conflict or communication breakdown that needs to be taken care of. Um, okay, hopefully in your marriage, the love is still a real thing, okay? Don't misunderstand me. Uh, but oftentimes, this is the case, right? Uh, think about it two people that are outside of marriage that are telling one another that they're loving one another. Uh, well, okay, sure, I want to believe you, but where's the truth in it? The truth is right here, right? It's on the ring. That's where the truth of it is. That would be a non-abstract love, all right? What if I told my wife every day that I loved her, but every day I totally ignored her, and every time she did something nice for me, I never acknowledged it? That would be an abstraction of love. That would not actually be love. Do you hear what I'm saying? And here's the thing with Jesus. In Jesus, uh, we have the picture of God's love for us. It's not abstract. It's real. It's flesh and blood. It's broken body and spilled blood for you on the cross. And so, whenever we're talking about a good gift from God, that God the Holy Spirit is working into you, sowing into you, so that it'll bear fruit, Each and every time we say that, this is not an abstract thing. This is not something that could be real, maybe. It's something that is real. It's something that is true in your life. I'm actually going to read for us from 2 Corinthians, verses 
2 Corinthians 13. I'm going to get this right eventually. 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. Oh my goodness. I'm going to get this eventually. Are you with me? I'm with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Okay, that's where I'm going to read from. At last, or finally, at last, brothers and sisters, be joyful. Work for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live at peace. Let's stop there for a second. We need a little bit of context to know what's going on in 2 Corinthians. Uh, And here's the short of it. It's a mess, okay? Everything's a mess. Um, the Corinthian church has been having uh, their fair share of struggles. All right, you've got a very diverse group of people coming together. You have uh, very uh, strange ideas about what should and shouldn't be happening in church. You've got a whole lot of selfishness. You've got some false teachers thrown in there. You've got um, people that are just generally treating one another in unkind ways. And then you have other people that need to be brought back into the church after they have sinned, and the church is struggling to know, how are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to bring that person back in after everything that they did? And so this is why Paul says, at last, brothers and sisters, be joyful. Now, in the midst of a whole lot of struggle and hardship, how in the world can Paul command us, be joyful? Oh, you're not joyful? Be joyful! (laughs) How's he going to do this? Well, he's doing this because this is something that's true for us. Um, That God the Holy Spirit, because of what Christ has done for you, is filling you with joy. You say, wait, that's not my experience. Um, how, How am I going to experience that? Right, um, like we said this morning, is it is it fake it till you make it? Is that how we're going to experience it? Are we just going to walk around with a smile on our face? Um, look, joyful joyful here does not necessarily mean that you're walking around with a smile on your face. Uh, joyful here means understanding, knowing, knowing what it is that Christ has done for you and all the good gifts that He is gifting to you even in the moment, through the power of the Holy Spirit and by His Word. This is where joy flows out of. And it can be a joy filled with tears and with hardship and with struggle. But he says, be joyful to them because he knows the strain that they're under. This this thing that is yours because of Christ, joy, walk in that. Walk in that joy. Work for restoration. That is work to bring people back in. Fix relationships, if we wanted to make it very simple. Comfort one another, he says, and agree with one another. Live at peace. Um, Live at peace again. Does this mean contentment? I can just go off and go do whatever I want? No. Um, What have we been learning the last couple weeks that Peace is something that is given to us in Christ. And so, because of that, the peace that, that you, the peace that God wants you to have is already yours. 
the peace that God wants you to have is already yours. And yet that does not also mean that it's not going to take labor on behalf of the church to make that peace uh, actually, (laughs) I don't know how to say it best, actually be able to see it within the life of the church. Right? Paul continues, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So how in the world am I going to love these people and be joyful and bring people back in? And uh, how in the world am I going to be at peace with this whole situation? I'd, you know what? You know what the problem with a sinner is? The problem with a sinner is you can forgive them and they could go right back out and sin. We could restore this person to the church and they could fall into the same old sin once again. And that's not going to bring peace and unity. And yet, Paul's telling them here, no, that's exactly what's going to bring peace and unity. Is you doing for this brother or sister in Christ exactly what Christ has done for you? That when you were neck deep in sin and on your way to the grave... (laughs) just as you're taking your last breath, Jesus revives you and raises you up from that grave. This is what Paul's encouraging the believers in Corinth to do. Restore people. Bring them in. Live live out the peace that is already yours in Christ. And you know what? You know who's going to be with you as you do that? God. The God of love and peace will be with you. Not only that, Paul tells us to greet one another with a holy embrace. I changed that to holy embrace uh, <laughs> because let's just be honest. No, look, I, did, I looked at different translations and some of them say greet with a holy kiss. Um, uh, some of them said greet with a sacred kiss, which even just seemed weirder to me. So I went with the one that was translated greet with, um, <laughs> with a holy embrace. Uh, why? Um, first of all, in the era of COVID, y'all should not be kissing one another. That's number one. Number two, <laughs> number two is for this. Uh, it's it's just a good word. Either way you want to say it. I don't usually kiss my friends, okay? And this is what Paul's wanting us to, to hear from him. Um, he's wanting us to hear right now that um, th- those people, those sinners uh, that you have connected yourself with in the church, um, you need to go out and, and take them up in your arms and greet them like that, uh, that deepest friendship that you have. I'm not saying you have to hug everyone either, okay? What I am saying is, how is it that you greet that, that deep and int- best friend? I don't know. Do you all have best friends? I'm not even sure. Uh, <laughs> but, but that best friend in your life, If you don't have that person now, get one. And secondly, maybe you have to think back for a little bit to when you were a kid or something and there was that best friend that you had. Paul's telling you to treat those around you like that. You take that person up in your arms and you embrace them. He's he's telling us to do that even for the unlovable ones. Those ones that need to be restored. Those ones that it's going to take a spirit-given peace and love in order to embrace. 
In the men's Bible study this morning, we were talking about a phrase that um, I recently heard. Um, and, and let me just try to lay a little bit of ground for, groundwork for it real quick. And it, it would go something like this, that um, uh, Christ is our faith. All right? In fact, Christ gives himself to us, um, and, and Paul tells us that Christ himself is actually our faith. So when we talk about being saved by faith alone, uh, we're, we're actually talking about Christ being that thing that saves us. Uh, he's the, the thing. He's the person that all of our trust is in, all of our hopes are in, all of our fears are in, so on and so forth, okay? Um, and uh, we're also commanded in Scripture to, uh, well, let's say, anything done outside of faith is sin, right? Okay? <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, how are you meant to love as a Christian? You are meant to love by faith. And I just heard a pastor talking about this recently, and he talked about it in this way, that um, there was a situation where uh, there were very unlovable people, right? And when he's, uh, just as an example, when he's ten steps away from this person, he is praying, Lord, give me the love that I need to go and embrace this person the way that I should. Give me the love that I need to love this person the way that you have called me to love them, because in and of myself, I'm not going to be able to do it. That's exactly what Paul's encouraging us to do here. To embrace in a holy embrace by faith. Let me reread all that real quick and then get to our verse. At last, brothers and sisters, be joyful. Work for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live at peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy embrace. All the saints, that is all the brothers and sisters here with Paul, greet you. And then he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Um, now we could call back to all throughout 2 Corinthians here with this benediction, but even in these uh, previous three verses that we read, uh, what we are seeing here is an, kind of an echo. Alright? So, what does God give to us when we deserve death and separation from Him? Well, first He, he shows us mercy. He shows us grace. And He gives us something good when we deserved something bad. Not only that, He gives it to us freely. And here, that's also exactly what Paul's encouraging the believers to do. To extend to others freely what Christ has given to them. We've already talked about God's expression of love for us being that of Jesus on the cross. So here, when we read that the love of God is with you, what is more self-sacrificing, if we wanted to say it like that, than to take that unloving person or that unlovable person and to place love on them <laughs> at the expense of yourself? 
And that's exactly what God has done for us. So, as we extend ourselves, as we also uh, offer grace to others, God's there with us. And then the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And this, this fellowship can tie right back into that, that warm and friendly embrace. Uh, fellowship here is a, is, a, is a deep and intimate friendship. Now, that can look different with different people. I totally get that. I'm not expecting uh, everyone in our, in our church here to be, uh, I don't know, uh, whatever you do with your friends, all the little secrets that you have with friends, okay? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not expecting that. And yet, this is kind of the, the, this is the level of relationship that God is calling us to within the body of Christ. Why would He do that? Is it because He only wants us to have this group and no more? No. In fact, we're, we're called to go outside of this group and pull in more, right? So why? Well, I, I think here's a really good reason. If you're going to be continually uh, extending restoration, grace to one another, if you're going to be continually extending love to one another, what kind of relationship does that take from a human perspective? It takes a, a closely bound relationship. So here's our big idea for the day. The grace, love, and intimate friendship of God is with you because of Jesus. The grace, love, and intimate friendship of God is with you because of Jesus. Anchored Baptist Church, um, while I'm away, uh, you all have an opportunity to develop those kinds of relationships that God has actually called, that Christ has called His church to. And I would encourage you to do that. Now, I didn't really get to the law today, but there is a, just a touch of law here in this passage. It's not the command to be joyful. Where are we seeing it at here? We're, we're seeing it um, live at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. What does this tell us on the, on the negative side of that? That when we're acting in unloving, uncaring, uh, ungraceful, disgraceful <laughs> ways towards one another, it's a, it's a clear expression to each other and to the world that we are not actively in a, in a close relationship with God. That's what it tells each other, and that's what it tells the world. Now, we are all going to be in that circumstance from one time to another. We're all going to be in a position where we are not expressing the same kind of love that God has called us to, which takes us back to our, our, our confession and our assurance that we have in Christ this morning too. We do that each and every week because that's the time when God is calling you back to Himself and He's reminding you, no, I am with you. I am here with you. And He's then pushing you out, not on your own strength, but because of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, with good gifts that sound something like this, grace, love, and intimate friendship. Okay? Okay? 
grace, love, and intimate friendship. And all of that is yours because of Jesus. In fact, all of that has been expressed to you in Christ and His work for you on the cross. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.